0: Yes you lovely people if you're not already make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify. Cleggy was just you were kicking off all, all right, the, the time. Top, big time. Because big time.
1: During that time is when Wayne Rooney was doing it. I Ro- Rooney him.
0: was the main one. Rooney I'll honestly what, was, he a, was a was a was he, because he's an animal like right, absolutely. And he is competitive as heck like if you think I'm competitive right, he is it could be tiddlywinks and that guy will kick off. That that can destroy. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
1: Careers. yeah That's for sure thing, yeah so i was going absolutely shit about it
0: hello everybody this is the fozcast today with me as usual i'm joined with my friend tom how are you tom very good mate how's yourself uh very very good we've got an exciting guest in the studio with us today we have got the all-time like original bad boy Power development coach, is that what I'm going to call you? That's the one. Power development coach, Michael Clegg. He has worked with some of the biggest names in football. He was at Manchester United, basically, when they started being the monsters that they are. I've worked with Rooney, Ronaldo, Ferdinand Vidic, Sir Alex Ferguson, you name it. He's been there. He's seen it. You've been there from the start, haven't you, Cleggie?
1: Well, it was the start of 2000. Yeah. You know, they just won the treble, United. So. Um... Alex Ferguson was putting a lot into getting the training centre up to the very best it could be, you know, and he put a lot of good ideas in. And fortunately, I became one of the ideas because of my kids who played there.
0: Uh, how does that feel, Cleggy, when you're, you're from that area, you're a Man United fan, right? Yeah. And then you get the call to say, do you fancy coming to work for Man United?
1: Well, it, it worked in two different ways because the first time I got a call was from um, Brian Kidd. Yeah. And he was asking me about doing plyometrics because he knew through my kids all the types of training I was doing. He wanted to introduce new things at Carrington,
0: you see. At at that time, at that time in football, sort of gym work, it was a thing, obviously, right? But sort of that next level, that sort of next sort of the new thing was sort of plyometrics and power and all that. That was just starting to become a thing, right? Yeah
1: exactly and you
0: and the, you were the guy they wanted to bring in to try and do it
1: yeah the only problem was brian's thinking first team and i could understand that but plyometrics was fairly new and you have to get kids doing that when they're younger okay to develop it for when they're older whereas if you start off when they're older doing plyometrics you can easily have uh, problems you know damaged knees. Hips, oh injuries basically, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which so, is a
0: problem when you're working with a man United first team and they want you to hit the ground running and just improve people, not injure people.
1: Yeah, Pallister Bruce and uh, you know Schmeichel and people like that. I said, Bring it, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. No, oh, no, you'll be all right, you know. I said, Look, you know, I've only ever done this with kids and the kids are coming on, but the kids. Yeah. you you've got top players, you know, in the world there. I, I couldn't start doing that, you know what I mean, with them. Yeah. So he was a bit annoyed with me because he you know, he, he could see Michael and Stephen who were very, very powerful lads, you know, and very fit lads. But I wouldn't do it because I know that you can get a bad name as easily as you can get a...
0: Yeah, yeah. Know. So basically, if you walk through the door and some of these big boys are getting injuries straight away, it's like, ah, come come on, mate, that'll do. Exactly. Back out the door again, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I, I said that and he he was upset because he, he had in his mind what he wanted to do and I couldn't understand that. But I couldn't start teaching things that I hadn't put to adults, yeah. especially top line footballers, you know what I mean? It had to be tested for a bit longer for me yeah. to really understand it. You know.
2: I mean? So just for a bit of a context Cleggie, obviously both your lads were at United at the time. Um, you were well known in Manchester for all the work you'd done with the gym and et etc. Et so is it fair to say yeah. that, that the kind of club looked at your kids and kind of thought, wow, so he's doing something a bit different here?
1: Well, exactly that. Yeah, it was mainly uh, Rob Swire actually. Rob Swire was the, the, the junior physio at the time. But um, because Michael and Stephen had gone in, I got got to talking to him about different training methodologies and also injury prevention and stuff like that. And he was really looking for stuff himself, Rob. And when he, he came to the gym, you see, and I showed him all the stuff I did with boxing and plyometrics and Olympic lifting and everything, oh, that's perfect for the club. But of course, he was only a junior at the time. So I think he went and made it known what was going on. And then, of course... Um, Brian went to uh, Brian Kidd went to be manager of Blackburn Rovers, yeah. and he took the head physio so then Rob Swire become the head moved physio. up wow. yeah, oh, okay. yeah yeah and yeah. as soon as that happened it, it was moving into Carrington it was all like almost like doors opening in incredible ways to give me an opportunity yeah and this was in 2000 wasn't it 2000 when yeah. I first went in I first went in doing the under 18 you know the the youth players yeah Um, and so our Stephen was one of them so I did a lot of boxing and jumps and plyometrics and weightlifting and everything and they loved it.
0: Was that because it's safer to put you with the 18s to start with a new guy through the door and with what you're saying you're going to do it's difficult to do it straight away with the first team?
1: Absolutely because at the end of the day you know my main training was with kids it was always kids you know from six years old all the way up then and you're learning through experience what what works and what doesn't work and yeah. what can be potentially dangerous. So I had the opportunity with my own kids. And of course, you know, I, I had four kids, uh, four lads who were doing all this different training and, and what they do, they're doing training. So the mates come and train with them. And if the mates come and train with them, then you end up being known by the schools. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. So, you know, the schools are invited me in to do all these sorts of things. And then the schools find out and it all just starts, you know, building up. And then ultimately, uh, the great thing was this i, I wrote a power development co- course with uh, what i call lee sidebottom years and years ago and uh, we started to develop that because i was a weightlifting coach but also I, I did the shot put javelin discus sprints hurdles and all that sort of thing with all the kids at the day and my time is building as my kids grow older
0: where, where yeah. how'd you learn to do all this stuff, Gleggy? Do you know what I mean? Did you, like, are you reading books right, left and centre or are you literally the kind of guy to where it's is hands-on, it's proven, it's tried and tested? I, I, I've read very few books, yeah. to be
1: honest with you. Uh, my training was about watching my kids develop. Th- there's one thing about training your kids is the main, main and most important thing is you love them. So first of all, you wanna, don't want to do any damage, mm. but you also want to give them the best opportunities. Yeah. So I looked all the time whether they was doing weightlifting or football or boxing or whatever. And I looked at them compared with other people. And as you're looking at them, you can see, if they're boxing with somebody, where Mike's lacking, where Stephen's lacking. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, that's, and so what you do is you look at what they've got and you put the bit that they haven't got. Add it into it. Add it into
0: what
1: yeah. Mike hadn't got. And you could see that it works. As long as you pay attention and you know what they're doing, you start showing them the other bits that they've got you know, the, the, the yeah, other kids yeah, are yeah. a good boxer or a good weightlifter or or whatever. And then you train it into your kids. And and it's all about the minds of kids. Well, if, if they're training it in somebody who's a really good boxer, they don't want to keep getting punched. Yeah. So they say, right, you're going to have to defend yourself like this and you're going to have to throw your punches like that. So they'll listen to you. You know, if they go in a weightlifting competition, what do we win it's about winning you know yeah. and well how can i beat in because look what it can do so we do some training and and it works and so everything's building up so. i think i
0: think this is for me this is uh this is why like i i didn't want to just sort of in, introduce you as like power development coach right. right because i don't think it's as simple as that yeah yeah you said it, that
2: before we went on yeah, air. What,
0: what should i introduce you as and you were like that's not really fair is it's it? not really fair because it's not about just like For for me, like a power development coach is basically somebody in the gym that says, right, if you want to get stronger, do this, do that, do, and that's it, it's as simple as that. But it's not because what I, I haven't worked with you for years and years and years, and knowing you as a person is that you take everybody as a complete individual, yeah? And you will judge them, you'll get to know them, you'll find out what they're good at and what they're not good at. And then you will tailor it completely individually to what they are as a player, what they are as a sports person and go, right, you're really good at doing that, but you need to add that in because you're good at doing that. But this is the bit that lets you down on a Saturday afternoon and blah, blah, blah. And that's the bit, I think nowadays, it's got two sports science here, yeah? I do, Cleggy, where it's like, they think they can just do like blanket gym sessions or something like that. And everybody does the same thing, but everybody's different. You've got different positions, different ages, heights, weight, everything like that, haven't well,
2: they? Tell us about your, because your consultation process is a little bit different because you were t- yeah. telling me about it, weren't you? So your consultation process, I was reading with, with Keno, um, in particular to start with, was, was about having a cup of tea, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. If you want to work with somebody properly, you've got to know something about them, you know, find out what their their experiences yeah. are, you know, what they're good at, what they like and don't like. Because you don't want to start pushing them to do something they don't like. If there's other things you can do that they will like, you know yeah. what I mean? You want their training to be enjoyable. And that was the thing with Roy. He'd done some boxing before, you know, but he were not doing any boxing at United. So I said, well, we could do some of that. He said, oh, could we? I said, yeah. But, you know, um, I've heard people saying that I was in the ring with Roy Keane, you know, slogging it out. That's totally (laughs) untrue. I didn't do any. We didn't do boxing as in sparring. It was about using the focus mitts and boxing techniques that apply to football. Yeah, That's what it's all about. Taking the bits that are important that you can splice onto somebody that can help them in football or whatever it is the weightlifting techniques you can do that will splice into a footballer to give him more power you know for i've a got football.
0: a quote i've got a quote from the book that i really liked. like Clegg, you listen to this one this as soon as i read it i thought oh yeah i like that one that's really really nice um, and, and it goes like this it's about what passion you can stir within them to give them the drive to get ready for whatever they need to do in their sport so basically whatever it is, whoever you're working with whatever it is whatever session you're putting on for them it's how to apply to them how to get them to go yeah this is going to really push me today this single thing is going to push me and i think that is that's why i didn't want to introduce you as a power coach because you see somebody as a complete individual and then you will trigger something in them to go you little mank dickhead i'm gonna do this to beat you today like <laughs> that's the beauty of what you were doing back in the day though But
1: that's power it's the power of the mind what you're doing is stirring them in their mind yeah. and that's what makes them powerful it's not the exercise itself of course you've got to do the exercise but it's what you put into the exercise yeah. that makes them powerful now one of the things that you must remember i used to tell stories yeah. king david and stuff like that you know uh I, I try and inspire them in some way with a little story that made them think about their situation yeah. and what they're going through. you inspire inspired by a little story. Well, there's no weightlifting going on. There's no boxing going on at the moment. You inspire their minds. Yeah. So that's where the power is in the mind. What they do then is transfer the knowledge that you're given of how to do an exercise that will relate to what they ultimately want to do. And it's a process that you've got to work through. Yeah. And it doesn't come from... A computer. It yeah. comes through consultation. It comes through um, relationships. Building
0: a rapport with somebody.
1: Building relationship. Now the thing about it is, what you're building, and this will sound corny for your podcast, but it's about love. Yeah. I'm not talking about love you have for a girl because she's nice. And There's watch. different levels I mean, of love, though. Exactly. Love. Yeah. There's lots of different levels of love. And what you do when you build a relationship is you build a respect, a rapport, and a love for each other and then you're looking with more passion at what they need and what they tell you I mean some of the injuries we had at United yeah. you know Alan Smith and yeah. you know yeah. others you know horrendous um, injuries and they want to get right mm. so I work with the physios and the physios are fantastic at United Rob Swire and John Dyne yeah. and you know uh, Neil and, yeah. and uh, Richie great guys i I love them guys because they really were passionate themselves and what i can do is learn from their um physio bit into the rehabilitation where we start working together and then we become a team and it's not just about me or the physio or the player it's about us working as a team yeah and we have to understand each other what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and so that we're always talking about the players and what's going to help them to be at the best yeah. but the most important thing is, is inspiring their minds that they're capable of overcoming the problem but actually during this period you know you're having a rest from playing we can work on things that you've never had before yeah, it's true. become an even better player
0: yeah I think um, one thing I've learned over my career and obviously I've had plenty of injuries I've done my, my cruise ship three times all that kind of stuff but I think because I was at Man United at a younger age I got to see up close and personal the people that you're talking about there like Huffy when I did my ACL Huffy was my was my, was my sort of like um, physio basically um, and I needed to feel like I had somebody like like a dad basically like overseeing the whole thing but then also when I went to work with Cleggy, it was already it had already been spoken about that morning about what we were going to do and how to treat me, and then Huffy knows me as a character. Cleggie would know me as a character and then they could tailor it into a way that would appeal to me. And not only that, so, so at any time I'm doing an exercise, I might be tired, I might be a bit sore, a bit stiff or whatever. I know that whatever exercise I'm doing, it's for the benefit of me. It is for the benefit of me. And that was, I think that was a really good grounding for me is getting to see those guys at Man United, yourself, Huffy, Davo, Richie, all those kind of guys how they worked. And that sort of held me in good stead going forward. So then whenever I did get more injuries, which I bloody did, by the way, because I got more cruise shots, I got broken foot, things like that, you know, I knew how to deal with it and, and move forward with it. It was really, really good ground in that, in that sense, anyway. That's
2: really interesting. So, so Claggy, what were your um, first impressions of a young Ben Foster?
0: <laughs> oh, I can't say that in public. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah, you can. I'll tell you my first impressions of you, go on. <laughs> you go first. <laughs>
1: It was young and he was really wanting it so much so much uh, that he'd, he'd have given everything to you know be the first team uh, goalkeeper working towards being the best goalkeeper he could ever be you know what I mean sometimes you've got to sort of you know, say, oh, back a bit. Let's do this. Let's not get too much of that. You know, he was uh, quite headstrong. You know, he really wanted things. Y- you can tell from the p- passion of his podcast what <laughs> it's been like, you know what I mean? So that's always something that you've really got to work with, you know what I mean? You've really got to understand each other. We had a great uh, time. Yeah. Um, what was it, about four years yeah, or something yeah. like that, you know, we worked together. And, and I really, I got to like the guy I mean, you know, I was also working with a lot of others, but me and Ben got on really, really well. I used to call him the bear. He hated that. Yeah. I used to call him the bear. He reminded me of a bear. You know, he <laughs> ripped things apart. Yeah, tell
2: us <laughs> tell us the one about him and Chris Eagles and the medicine
1: oh, ball. Oh, he wouldn't want me to do that because that was very, very embarrassing.
0: I don't remember this, by the way. He's making the story up. There's no way Chris <laughs> hey, Eagles, he was it, a freak, Chris Eagles. This he was.
1: is the truest story I've ever told.
0: It's good. And
1: yeah, so we're in in the, uh, the, the big gym at Carrington, you know, not where the weights yeah, are and yeah. everything in the big gym. Yeah. And we had a medicine ball and there was me, you and Davo, right? So Davo was saying, Let, let's try some throws. So of course you throw it up and then uh, Sailfire can go and then, oh, I can do more than that. Davo was saying, I didn't get involved. I was just watching you two, it's not to do with me this, you know, yeah. and so you are throwing up and then Davo gets a bit further. You say, oh, "Whoa! I can't believe that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the roof. I said, you better be careful you start to roof. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd be Brilliant. So the, the two of them there, they're getting very, very close to the roof. This is a five kilo. Davo's a big
0: bloke as well, you know. Oh, Davo's a big, strong bloke, honestly. Lean, big old biceps, like big, strong bloke. weren't Yeah. What, yeah.
1: Not quite as big as him.
0: Nah, no chance, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you see, this skinny little pin box in the gym. And I said, who are you? He said, oh, I'm uh, called Chris Eagles. Have you never heard of him? <laughs> no, I've never heard of you, mate. He said, what are they doing them to? I said, well, they're working on a bit of power, you know. Ben's a goalkeeper, you know, he's got to do all sorts of power stuff, you know what I mean? He said, oh, he said, it looks quite easy, that. I said, well, don't say that to him, he'll rip you (laughs) apart. He said, can have a go. I said, Ben, throw that medicine ball over. Chris Eagles picks it up, six (laughs) stone two, and launches it at the roof, and it hits it. Some people were very, very <laughs> upset at that. I could not believe Well, I it. know how competitive you are. Oh, exactly. mate, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. So then, you know, he couldn't hit the roof, Ben, nor John. Only Chris did it and then oh let's throw it this way let's throw it that way yeah. and throw it at walls and everything but you know it was a bad day for you that wasn't
0: it? it's fine i don't <laughs> mind it mate so like i don't get me wrong at the time if i was fuming mate i was absolutely raging but, but eagles was he was like a freak of nature like he he was he was he was so slight he was skin and bone almost yeah, like slick yeah. back hair eyebrows plucked to within an inch yeah. of their lives everyone was just going this is just ridiculous like what's the point you know what <laughs> i mean say what we used to
2: do claggy well i didn't used to participate but um this is how comp- we used to have the odd night out in Leamington, where we live, obviously, and Fozzie's favorite thing he used to do was um, do you remember we used to walk yeah. down the street and there was like a sign? You the, know, you like know signs would be shop hanging off, sign off or a chain, yeah, street it signs was, or whatever. It was high, right? But it was just within the realms of can you touch it or not. Yeah. So, your favorite thing to do was when you'd have like uh, another goalkeeper would join us for a night out or something, it was take them down this street. And see who can hit the the side. (laughs) Who can jump the highest and hit this side. So he's always on the job, you know,
0: even on a night out. Yeah, but
1: that's the enthusiasm i was talking about before that you've got to try and control (laughs) yeah you know what i mean that that's always been i
0: i remember cleggie i remember back in the gym at at, um at united was when they first introduced um it was towards my sort of the end of when i was at man united um but they they just first introduced these you know the kaiser machines that had the readout the max power readout and stuff like that they just introduced these machines into the um into the into the gym and all the lads were going crazy because Cleggie hated them. Cleggy absolutely hated them, right? Because it was, um, because it gave you a readout, yeah? You could you could sort of like do little competitions and stuff. You could do max power stuff like that. And there, were, there was lads coming in, like they'd just been training for two hours, right? And lads were coming in on these like squat machines and like going, I could beat that and then they'd put it onto a harder level I could beat that and you'd get them like cold and like tired and stuff and they'd get onto these things blah, and they were just to try and get the high score and I remember Cleggie was just you were kicking off all I the time big time big time
1: during that time is when wayne rooney was doing it Ro- rooney was
0: the main one rooney I'll honestly what, was a was, a was a was he, because he's an animal I mean, like and he is competitive as heck like if you think i'm competitive yeah. right he is it could be tiddlywinks and that guy will kick off and he's trying to he's trying to be the best he could so the, the one machine i'm talking about it's like it was like a squat one That's where you right. had the pads on pads your shoulder and, and you got he- down Yep. and you had to push up and give it that and make the and we had a board behind the thing yeah. of the high scores and stuff like that exactly. he was going mad for it mm-hmm. were not he he's got
1: you know he's got a, a bad injury he's yeah. coming through it and it needs to be overload training principle bit at a time no straight onto it whacking it out and that's how you get breakdowns all yeah, the time yeah you know? i know that that can destroy careers yeah that's for sure thing. yeah so i was going absolutely shit about it <laughs> that's crazy so
2: here's another question for you then Clegg. because Ben is a advocate he's obviously in the goalkeepers union and will always protest that goalkeepers aren't the mad ones um, what's your opinion on the goalkeepers Come on, well, no, he
1: obviously doesn't know much about goalkeepers there, really, <laughs> because all the goalkeepers are crackpots you know what I mean they're not even footballers when all said and done yeah. you know they, they just throw the ball, the ball about and dive can, you know, I, can I just
0: say you've worked with some of the biggest boys as well by the way you've worked with Bartes. Yeah. Yeah. Schmeichel, did you work with him for a little no, bit? No. Didn't get the chance to work. No. So Bates Van der Sar, you've had yeah. Tim Howard, yeah. um some Roy proper Carole. Roy Car- some proper yeah. big characters, big goalkeepers. What,
1: what about the first one, Mark Bosnich? Oh boy, oh, He yeah. was yeah, really Bozzi. interesting. He was a really interesting character because he's one of these who thought doing so- certain types of training is gonna help him. And before I came he had his own personal coach. Oh, okay. And the the, the problem was as I went in, I was like I say, doing power development, this this guy was like a strength coach. Yeah. And he was having him doing lots of heavy weights. yeah. And you could see, because I, I, I was a, a watcher of the games at that time because Mike was on the fringes and everything. You know, you sometimes get a game and everything. So I'd watch and I thought, Bozzy's got a load of really good traits, yeah. but he's doing all this heavy weight lifting. What, what, what sort of heavy weight? What like, are you like talking about? Legs, legs or
0: bench and yeah, stuff, yeah. upper body? Yeah, everything. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Legs yeah. and upper yeah. Body. yeah, okay.
1: So they were going for strength. Yeah, And, you know, you can say, well, you need a lot of strength and stability in goal, but you also need to be, you know, reactive and be able to really yeah, be sure, more yeah. powerful than str- strong. You know what I mean? It's not often you're holding somebody off with your arm, exactly, is it? Exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I said to him, listen, you know, you, you need to be getting rid of all that stuff. You're putting on weight, Yeah, whatever you are, the <laughs> hard it is to jump by exactly, It's yeah. putting a five kilo plate on your back yeah. and start trying to jump as high as you did before. And I, I, I really saw, you know, big change big changes really and uh, and then of course he disappeared you know i mean i didn't know anything about that you know why or whatever yeah but uh, that was that when they brought bartez in yeah
0: bartez was after Bo, um yeah Bosnitch, yeah,
1: yeah I, I can't remember the, the sequence
0: well if, if you had to if you had to categorize like if you had to describe try and do a bit of a sort of like general Sort of explanation of each position, right? So, just, it's goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, strikers, right? Let's let's try and do a blanket sort of description of yeah. what they're like as characters, what they're characters, like as people, right, okay. traits that they might have, for example. Right, yeah? yeah, we'll start with goalkeepers, crackpots. All right, so we've got that. One. There yeah, we go. Yeah, goalkeepers. Go
2: so he always defends the goalkeepers, but. You, mate, I'm not being funny. Look what you're up to at the moment. That would that would say that there's an element of. Um, if you look crapopness yeah, in that your
1: life now and track it back to being a kid, I would say the traits that you're showing now are exactly the same as a kid. Yeah, because you're good at being crazy. Yeah, you're good at doing. You've got to channel it. It's exactly what you said there about putting your camera in the corner of the goal and getting yeah. away with it by filming things and you know it, it listening to your voice and then you you showing people and letting you know out on the radio and stuff like that. That has got there's a certain top of, type of mind that is able to do that yeah like you know walking down the street seeing a signs up going for it and then getting everybody to do it because you're people up now as i see you <laughs> you, you know as you a really do at the back you're winding people up you're talking all the time you're shouting at. Them. i love it i love that because you need to keep people at the back because there's so much going on especially the defenders you know they're watching so much especially at united because we had really good defenders yeah and we used to be attacking a lot back in the day when I was there, you know what I mean? Tack, tack, tack. So yeah, it's course. dead easy for the defenders just just to switch off the tiny bit and then you get caught. Yeah. Well, you weren't, they weren't going to fall asleep with you at the back there, wasn't they? Shouting you know away, I mean? right. Exactly. So and do
0: you honestly believe that goalkeeper's a little bit crap, but a little bit mad, yeah?
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. the one that probably wasn't was Edwin. Yeah. Now he, he was like, in some ways, he was like a scientist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just knew his way about... the goal and, and the area the
0: world mate he like, knew his way about everything exactly, didn't he he was incredible yeah Who
2: was who was the like goalkeeper wise because uh, fabian Barthez was quite interesting wasn't he
1: yeah well it was because he, he he wouldn't train as a goalkeeper i mean um tony colton yeah used to train him yeah so he, he wouldn't he didn't want to do goalkeeping training he just wanted to play out <laughs> so he was playing out. like the kid at school yeah honestly and then tony said right let's go oh I i'm knocking now i need to go uh, i need to go in the gym because he wanted to train his chest. He only wanted to train his chest. <laughs> Nothing
0: wrong with already. that, Claggy.
1: <laughs> but before that he used to go in the, in the uh, in the where the ladies were doing the, the washing and everything yeah. and uh, he used to have a fag with yeah, them. He know, did, yeah. So it always come in then I heard he
0: would have them at half-time and stuff like that Like yeah, exactly. he, At half-time during games like in the Premier League He would go into the toilet He would find like if he could get a window open or something like that <laughs> And just have a little cheeky fag kind of thing It's incredible, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, it is incredible But if you look at certain things I mean, goalkeeping
1: is in and around a small area Yeah. But he was really fit So I think one of the things was keeping really fit Because he knew he was a smoker yeah. And he didn't want to stop smoking So he did all that work out on the pitch, which would be more work in total than he would do just doing the goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean,
1: and he he had such good eyes and such good reflexes that you know when when he got in trouble as regards being in goal, then he could pull out amazing saves. Yeah, he was a cat, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Um, So so he worked around his 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 traits. Yeah, you know, and this is the thing honed his traits basically. Yeah, exactly. He looked at. Well, this is me. This is who I am. What I want to do. How can I get the best out of everything here? And that's what he did. He used to drive Tony round the bend. Yeah. You know. Well, it's like he ended up um, going out with Linda, didn't he? Linda Evangelista.
0: Oh yeah, bloody oh yeah, exactly. supermodel back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: So you know, I mean, the thing is, he comes to me one day. He said, uh, "My girlfriend, uh, she's um, she's got this uh, running machine from America. He said, uh, but she's not. It's uh, not working. Do you think you'd be able to fix it?" I said. I don't know. I'll have a look if you want. You know, I had no idea, by the way. <laughs> so he says, "Oh, can you go on such and such a time?" You know, and uh, obviously there's always people in the gym, and he's asking me. And, th- and then they said to me, "Do you know who his girlfriend is?" I said, no. He says, "Linda Evangelista." Yeah. I said, Are you kidding? He said no.
0: Proper old school model back in the day. Like exactly. wow, incredible. Exactly. Yeah. So I
1: had to go to their uh, their apartment just yeah. in Manchester on Dean's Gate. So I'll go down there and I knock at the door and. And then knock again, and then you know she's got one of these eye things. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, she's there behind that. Uh, anyway, she, the door opens up. There's this old lady there. You know what I mean? I oh, don't like Linda. You know what I mean? And I said, oh, come in. Thinking, Where's Linda? You know. <laughs> anyway, you know she'd you know I, I got her hair in in curls and stuff, and all that sort of stuff. No makeup on, and she had some s- skinny pyjamas on or something mm. like that. And it wasn't for at least 10, 15 minutes that it, it, I worked it out, it was her. Yeah. You would never have thought that she was that supermodel until she starts to speak to you. Yeah. And that's when you see something completely different because the personality, the way she was, was like, wow.
0: Really, yeah. What a
1: beautiful woman. You can imagine then as she started to talk about the problems she's having and that she was asking me about me doing personal training for her and I need to do, you know, work this, that, and the other, you know. And it's like, oh my goodness it's not actually the looks that's beautiful about yeah. this woman it's her personality she's uh-huh. absolutely fabulous you know what i mean wow. and so it was uh, it was a fantastic day
0: um can we um i, I mentioned Bartes with his cat-like reflexes i think we need to introduce um the fourth Guest on this uh, podcast today, by the way. Um, we've actually got a dog sitting on the floor, T. It is Cleggy's dog. And uh, Cleggy, do you reckon you can just get him to stand T, up for a minute? T,
1: come here,
0: quick. Look at this boy, come here.
1: Oi, T. Is this being filmed? Yeah, of course it is, T. I come haven't here, got any makeup on. Oh, come <laughs> here. Do you realise how old I am?
0: Look at this dog, how beautiful is he? Come here, you. Oi, T, come here, what's this? Say I love you. Oh, you're... Think he's First the old...
2: dog on the podcast. There you go. There you go. You're a
0: goodish boy. <laughs> yes, you are a goodish boy. <laughs> you, you, you finished, Fozzie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just keep looking at him on the floor down there. <laughs> oh, I just, just the want to stroke him. Way, yeah. He's such stuff. a good boy. He's 18 months old, tears, by the way. And he's just been sat there like good as gold, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. First ever dog on the pod, Um Okay, so we talk about goalkeepers. And um, one exception to the rule, v- van der Sar. I agree with you. He's like um, just... Oh, If ever there was somebody who was under control of absolutely every facet of his life, it's that guy, isn't it? Brilliant. Absolutely top class. Um, Defenders. How would you categorise defenders? What do you think the mentality needs to be or what you've seen in your career of what defenders are?
1: Well, I I think in in a lot of ways, um, more full-backs, I'd say, than than centre-backs, is they tend to be a little bit nervous and worriers. yeah you know they, they, they worry because they've got to be involved in the attack and also involved in uh, yeah, the defense yeah. they tend to be a little bit shorter yeah <laughs> <laughs> than the center you know than the uh, center backs and I always found that you know personalities like Dennis Irwin and Gary Neville and, and people like that they tend to have this um, little bit of nervousness about them so when they're in training they would ask you more questions about what you're doing and why. Ah, okay. I mean, Gary Neville was the worst of a lot. Yeah. But what a great guy he was. Yeah, know for what sure. I mean. Yeah. I mean, he's he was a couple of years older than our Michael, and our Michael was trying to break through. But Gary had done such a good job, yeah. especially with his partnership with David Beckham. Yeah. That he really was, the, you know, the number one, um, and right back basically. Right back, yeah, yeah. Um, but you could tell that he was quite nervous about, you know, I've got to go out and and really perform. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he was looking at every aspect. Now, the great thing with Gary is that um, he, he had to cut out some, from what, his nervousness. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he played guitar. Yeah. And they were telling me that um, he, he had this kid who was um, teaching him guitar. Guitar, you see,
0: why, why did he want to play guitar?
1: Just something to get away from, playing really. Football. Yeah, to switch He off plays from football and... 23 and a half hours a day. Yeah, true. Yeah, in his dreams, he'll be playing yeah. football because that, that's his nature. You know, he's a very dedicated lad. Yeah, he was the biggest moaner I've ever come he's across. He's incredible, oh, wasn't he? I never stops moaning. But that's all about that bit of nervousness and yeah. wanting things right, which I don't disagree with. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? so uh, he, he was having guitar lessons off, off this kid, and then uh, he ends up playing for the first team. So, I think he was paying something like 40 quid a session, or it might have been 20 quid, and he put it up to 40 quid, and he went absolutely mad because at he him. found out he was a Man United exactly. footballer. So, he, and he was telling me about this, and I said, How good are you? He said, Well, I'm well, not very good, that's why I need a teacher. I said, Well, um, I play guitar, not very well. I said, But I can give lessons yeah. because lessons are simple if you know how to teach something. If you, you know... Got Process, hand, you know exactly, how to pro, yeah, pro, yeah, the processes exactly. it takes. Yeah. So he, he used to bring his guitar in and i, I give him guitar lessons. So that was really good because we then got on really, yeah. really well. And again, it's all about relationships. If you really want to get somebody to the top level, you've got to have a good relationship with yeah. them. It's not about crunching numbers on a computer. And that's what I've always said that. That's why I've always had my chair in the gym, never in an office anywhere. Yeah. So that people can come and talk to you because it's more about their personality, about their feelings that you need to know to really train them properly.
0: Yeah, because then you
1: can tell when they're struggling, then you can tell when they're on on the eye. And that really, to me, was the skill of Alex Ferguson. Yeah, Because he didn't do many coaching sessions. What he did was watch everybody training under the likes of Steve McLaren and, you know, uh, Mickey Phelan yeah. and Carlos Kiros came in. He just used to watch the sessions, pick the team and, that, and obviously give the team talk. But the rest of the time, he was observing the players. And that's what I learned so much from that, from his observation and just seeing what he was like as he's walking around the place. Because yeah. all the lads were coming into the car park at the back, you know, as you remember, and yeah. his office was there. So yeah. he was overlooking. So when he was walking in, having a laugh and a joke with your mates on the on the. Uh, telephone as you were going in he's watching you yeah and then he's watching you as you're going out onto the training ground having a laugh with the lads which you always were you know to go on train he's watching all that he's seeing everybody what they do what their traits are and he's his mind was able to take in a lot of knowledge I, I believe I never saw it but I believe he had four televisions set up together in his in his front room he's yeah. watching four different games at the same time <laughs> now that's <laughs> incredible mental. but you see if you watch somebody like Alice Ferguson goes into the canteen, he might not even recognise it himself, but he's watching everything and he's seeing what people are like. He's looking at personality because he knows out on that football pitch it's personality that's going to take the, the yeah. through this. Personality. you know. Of course you've got to be able to play football. You wouldn't be there if you weren't, but it's the personalities. And I heard all the time over the 11 and a half years that I was there, people saying, oh, he's picked the wrong team today. He should have had him and he shouldn't... Well, he's watching the players all the time. So he knows who's up for it. He
0: knows... Better than anyone.
1: Better than anyone. That's why he's so so damn successful. Well,
0: his office was in... Like I say, it was on the corner Corner. of the building. And um, it it was. It was exactly like that. So he used to watch everything, right? And he would be watching training sessions. Sometimes he'd have a little walk down and he'd stand and watch at the side and stuff like that. Um, But then around the building... You knew, he, you knew there was a chance of bumping into him somewhere. You knew it. And it was always like... It would fill you with dread at times, honestly. Because he... He knew what he was doing, but he would put you on the back foot, didn't he? He was the master of it. Like, whatever it was, however he approached you or addressed you or what he said, it would put you on the back foot. (laughs) And he must've had so many people sort of like blubbering and going, "Um, everybody. um, um, He was the master of it. It was incredible, wasn't it? It was something about him. It was incredible. And even at lunchtime and stuff like that, he would come and sit with the lads. He would sit next to somebody like it could be it could be me it could be Cleggie there could be anybody one of the office staff and he would go and sit next to them and he would talk to them and it was just yeah he oversaw and heard absolutely everything didn't necessarily need to be on the training pitch training or coaching or he knew people knew how to do that that was fine it wasn't about that was it was like idle chit chat a thing because I
2: obviously never met the bloke you've worked under him you've worked with him was he always talking to you for a reason? Was there always like a, a design to his conversation or
0: would there be a bit of idle chit-chat? I think there's, I think, yeah, the, even in the idle chit-chat, I think there's a design behind it yeah, there. Do exactly. you know what I
1: mean? He's a Scotsman. He knew his job. He knew what he needed to know about the players, their personalities. And so he would think of something to say. Yeah. And he would judge the reaction of what people are saying, you know, and, and that was a master key of his character
0: yeah he's was incredible wasn't he yeah. what a guy um okay midfielders so we talk about goalkeepers defenders um well
1: hang on a minute what we we've only done right back and left okay back
0: do back. a center back then give yeah, me a center back
1: well I'm, I'm gonna give you a Rio ferdinand okay and the reason i i talk about Rio ferdinand is because he was one of the very first who introduced me to the the, the mind yeah so rio i used to watch him play and he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You never saw him do a 15-meter sprint.
0: Last-ditch tackle, last all that ditch, kind of stuff, a, yeah. An
1: all-out edder. Yeah. I used to say to him, you look like you can play the game smoking a cigar.
0: Yeah, Rolls-Royce.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. With, with your slippers on. Now, how was he doing it? You know, And people said, oh, he can read the game. It's not about reading the game. It's reading what's going on in the game, It's speeds and directions, yeah. you know, movement of the ball coming towards you then being moved off he's watching everything and his brain is geared to go into the right position for how he sees what's going to happen with the ball it's not about reading what somebody can do you know what formation it's seeing the ball and realising where he stood as regards the person he's marking or might be two he's marking and he was just always in the right place at the right time so he didn't very often have to do last ditch tackles and stuff like that now the mind of somebody like that is really interesting to talk to and to listen from. um, Because he gives you lots of different ideas about the way he thinks, and then you can judge it by somebody else. Now, the thing about Wes Brown, I knew Wes, he was younger than our Michael. I knew Wes from uh, quite young because I was going watching the youth team and all that as Michael was coming through. Now, Wes was a really fit lad. You know, he was really fast and all. But the thing with Wes, he didn't have the same thing as Rio, where you could read where you needed to be. That's why you'd see him do last-ditch yeah. tackles. He'd go too far out and make a tackle and then get an injury and stuff like that. And so if if he'd have had more of Rio's yeah, yeah, yeah. he would have had less injuries and gone on a lot longer and played at a lot higher level. But at the time, it wasn't easy for me to really understand how I could help Wes. You know, did he loved the boxing, like yeah. Roy. So we could do that. But talking specific football... You've got to be careful in the early days when you first go in. And he was one of the, well, it, it was him and Roy were the first people that I did first team players, you know, in the gym. And they were very, very good to me in the way that they uh, helped my progress in making sure people was coming in because they, yeah. they advertised for me, if you like. So it, it was great. And it's only years later, like with our Michael, there's certain things I think if only at the time I'd have realised, well, now I've got that knowledge. And so I can impart the knowledge of being able to say to them, different way because you've got to be careful how you speak to players Rio when I say he didn't play so well
0: (laughs) nearly (laughs) lost him yeah Yeah. but he um... was judging at the same time though he was yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I found it what you just said there really interesting about the Wes Brown thing about he would go out of position or he'd go too far somewhere, but that made him susceptible to injuries. injuries. That's like, you don't think about it like that, do you? You don't think that that might be a reason why players are picking up certain injuries because they have to do the last-ditch tackles. And when you're doing the last-ditch tackle, it's because you are straining every sinew of your body to get back and block something. And strength at range isn't like as good as in, like if you're sticking your leg out, for example, and it's right at the end and the ball catches it, that's at its weakest point. That's that's when you're picking injuries up, for example, which is, that's phenomenal. I've never really thought it's about it. It's incredible that, insight yeah.
2: with Rio. Uh, I mean, in particular, I, I obviously will talk about Cristiano Ronaldo in a, in a few minutes, but one thing I noticed with Ronaldo when I watched him a couple of times this season is how, as he's got a little bit older, he's still an incredible specimen, but how he manages his game management and how he moves around the pitch. And I guess with Rio, someone of a similar era, would it be fair to say that Teddy Sheridan probably had the career at playing at that top level because of how he thought around a pitch as well.
1: Well, um, Tony Colton will bear this, if he ever hears this podcast, and, um, and Jim Ryan. So I was asked when I first went into United, um, who's the fittest player at United at the moment? So I spent about a week having a look at all different aspects. And when I went in and told them, they all laughed. They absolutely laughed. said, no way. Well, you don't know what you talk about. I said Terry Shang- Sheringham.
0: Teddy That's Sheringham. Teddy <laughs> Terry was his brother, I think. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, Teddy. <laughs> Teddy Sheringham. Right?
1: And they was laughing at me. I said, what's up? The... Oh, he's too old, there's no way. How
0: old but... was he at the time? I don't was... know.
1: I think he was like 30, 34. 30, 34. 34, 35, 35 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what happened at the end of the season? Play of the Year. Wow. So they laughed at me and they said, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, they was, they was having fun with it, you know what I mean? But it turned out, and you see people judge a person's age before they judge a person's mentality. Yeah. And if people get an opportunity, and that it was great working with him that year, because I learned a lot from Teddy, because he's an older player. And I learned so much from the way that he looked at life and looked at how to play football and the way he steadied himself and made sure he stayed really, really fit, really, really hungry for what he wanted to do. Yeah, And it, it was he was amazing. And so I was very fortunate. That Teddy was there, and I made that statement because after that, people trust you. Because I weren't in football. Yeah, I'm coming from the outside. How do you get trusted by people who've been in the game? Jim Ryan and Tony Colton, you know, have been players at the very highest level. You know, uh, how would they trust me? Yeah, because they said a few things. Uh, you know, to say, well, I'm yeah, sure of course, yeah, and all that, which is banter, but also you could, could be honest. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. But in that one. You know, I I proved me worth, if you know what I mean. You know, so right. Obviously.
0: Midfielders, talk to me about midfielders. What 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 is the, the psyche of a midfielder? Well, how do you think they are as people compared to the other two positions? With they had? are
1: so different. Each midfielder is so different. That's the thing about him. You can't categorize. How can you categorize a midfielder like Roy Keane with Paul Scholes? Yeah, true can that. You tell me that. Yeah. So Paul Scholes. When I talk about Paul Scholes, I'm a athletic development guy. You know, power development. He's not an athlete He wasn't fast. He didn't have great endurance capacity. Was he strong in the gym? Did he do these he, he 120 He didn't do really gym? anything, now. Exactly. Yeah. But I tell you what, what I noticed with Paul, which was an absolute breakthrough for me, was when I used to do this speed reaction thing with the pads, you know, where you do punch, yeah, control, yeah. kick, kick, and then you have the cones around, and I used to shout. Yeah. In that three-meter space, nobody could touch him. He could turn so quick. But also, if you've got seven cones out, all different colors, Whereas everybody, because I, I used to talk to him and used to taunt him and stuff like that. Where, like, that's why he used to get thrown around like a, a doll, you know, <laughs> wrestling, but I used to taunt them. And you look at Paul, whenever I was talking, he wouldn't necessarily look at me. But when I shouted out a color, no matter where they were, because I was moving around, if you remember, yeah. this way, that way, he knew where the comb was every time I spoke it. Nobody had that ability. Yeah. Nobody could see, it's almost like he had, had eyes in yeah, the back yeah. Of the head. yeah. And what he was able to do was to get there first and get back so quick. It was incredible. I couldn't even use the pads as quick as he could move, you see.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Yeah. If you see him doing a 40 meter sprint or, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, a jump or a, you know He's it's not going to beat most people oh, so it's
2: right. a good question for you then so if you were to to apply these techniques these, these skills these challenges to an under 11 team like um lads or, or girls football team do you reckon you could start picking out potential like players in terms of awareness or obviously speed is quite an obvious one but the unobvious ones like awareness spatial awareness do you think you could kind of pick that out at a young age?
1: Yeah, that's what I have to do. That's my job. That's yeah. what I do now. You know what I mean? You see, I, I was just in the gym um, doing power development, which has a lot of different aspects. But I was never teaching skills, football skills. And if you're teaching football skills and seeing the awareness of how you've got to move and the directions you've, you've got to turn in, uh, whilst a ball, keeping the control and being able to accelerate, decelerate, play, I mean, uh, get yourself into... Uh, the right positions uh, and strike the ball, stuff like that. That is all about the brain. You know, you got the athletic athleticism, but then it's about skill. Skill is a massive subject, and I never touched skill. That's why I went into speed. My score called Cedar Speed because I wasn't actually well. I was a football coach, but not at the level the lads yeah. I was with. But of course, I'm learning from these guys. They didn't realize they were giving me all of my secrets for uh, years. Yeah, years, years to come. On. Exactly. But I, I, I turn. Turn the uh, seed of speed. I was saying speed is in the brain, it's not in the muscles. And so I studied the brain, how it works to be able to make people faster. But in doing a lot of work on that, actually going to Montreal University, if you remember, bringing yeah. the Neurotracker in, was you still there?
0: No, I, I remember you talking about all sorts of bits of bobs like that. I remember getting, um, do you remember the big like tent they got? They yeah, put yeah. Up that's, the, that's the, the was Neuro that what tracker. it was? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember them getting all that kind of stuff. So in I was studying that, yeah. the brain at the yeah, time. Yeah.
1: See, because this is all part of this power development. The yeah. power's in the brain, it's not in the brawn. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you've, what you've got to do in the brain is layer all the different aspects, beads, um, change of direction uh, brain cognition skill power strength endurance capacity all these things are layered into the brain to become a great footballer well you've got to have a sequence of, of layering and also you've got to be able to change from speed to strength to power to endurance capacity to cognitive processing in 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 an instance in milliseconds to be very very effective and of course i'm i'm being taught all this stuff by these fantastic players who were Top in the world, you know what I mean. So well, not,
0: they had, they had. Uh, I remember at the time as well. We had um, Gail Stevenson, didn't yeah, we? Exactly. So the Eye Lady. So there was another uh, United at the time. We had um, an Eye that We basically called her the Eye Lady Gail, who, who sadly passed away now. But um, she she had been at the club for a long time, and a lot of people were very sort of s- uh, skeptical. Is that the word? Mm, yeah, not absolutely. skeptical. Maybe probably just didn't think it really applied to them or didn't need to do anything. But she she basically she was like um, she would teach you to. i remember teaching me basically to warm my eyes up so when when i was about she was like when you play a game do you you warm your muscles yeah and she was like do you know your brain like your your eyes all the muscles behind and stuff like that do you ever warm your eyes up and i was like no never why would you and she was like oh my god you need to start doing it and she remember she made me get a nintendo DS it was back then, yeah. I Servo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, she so used to get... Maybe me get the, one of these little Nintendo, like, gaming machine things, and there was, like, a brain training one, and there was one for your eyes specifically as well, where... And it was quite literally, you would be looking to your left, and then you had to try and see stuff out the right corner of your eye, and then you would have to pick the dots and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, it, your eye it improved it yeah. improved she had like a little revision. speed, re- speed yeah. reaction yeah uh, thing you know where the batak thing uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but same a little, as that. she
1: had a little one on yeah. the desk as well yeah so this is where i learned the other aspects from people like yeah. gail but because nobody
0: else did that nobody else no, in the world probably no, no, was doing exactly. that at that time but that she was she was in at man united two or three times a week working with exactly. players like everybody as well you're talking Giggsy, skulls like Alex rooney Ferguson ronaldo yeah her
1: to be have access to every player because he wanted their eyes checked. Yeah. Now she was looking at the function of the eye, like say the muscles and how they work and whether they're warmed up and whether they're strong and all that. You know, they do, I went for an eye test yesterday, and they talk about what's going on with the back of the eye, whether it's healthy or not. Yeah. Well, Gail would be involved in all that, and the the reason it came about was United struggled early in one season. I don't know if you know this story, but uh, she came in because um, she really, because being a, a lifelong United fan, yeah. she used to sit at the bottom of the stand. And she could sort of see in line with the players. Now, they started wearing a grey kit.
0: Yeah, gray okay, kit. I remember this. Yeah. She
1: recognised that they can't see each other properly. Is this where this kit? came from? Yeah, Do you remember? The grey kit where they were Southampton. The Southampton. Southampton, yeah. Yeah. they changed it yeah. half time, didn't yeah. they? Exactly. And it was Gail that had prompted them because she was going to the matches and said, it's the kit. So then Alex Ferguson brings her in and then she sets off on her journey, which was great because we had her in there, you know. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Every and so they were getting proper eye tests on all these things. And this is the thing with Sir Alex Ferguson. He brought all these things in, yeah. different things. I mean, he used to do massage at one time you know, as a manager. He wow. used to do massage. So then eventually he said, I can't do this anymore. Let's bring some more massage. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. So this is the thing about building like with Brian Kidd like he's trying to you know uh, he didn't work with me because uh, you know like I was saying, he probably went you know up to the first team a bit too quick with the things he was asking me for, but there was alive the whole place was alive. it was a unit, a, a team working together the relationships were fantastic, yeah and that's where what it's all really about relationships yeah. because within the relationships that get on, guess what there is a lot of It's called love yeah it's love yeah. It's how you work together as a team, liking. And I. this is my bit, and I'm working with them. that relates to that bit. And then, like me with the physios and stuff like that, build a relationship. You've got everything you need. I think this easily- is,
0: this is without doubt, mate, honestly, one of the biggest things that people, I, I think football fans don't realise this is, so essentially important within any not even like business football clubs you have to have this culture of like a bit of love almost everybody has to be on the same page everybody has to be working together and wanting the best for you and wanting the best for you and wanting him to do well and it, uh, that's what it has to be and I think we have sort of got away from that a little bit in football have, nowadays haven't we
1: the thing with United is they brought it back in Yeah, they brought it back in with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm-hmm. and he was doing a good job he was setting up now you don't always win straight away yeah, but you set the structure out again. Yeah. What it used to be like when Alex Ferguson was there. Obviously, he's gone on, and, and, and other people have. But other people have to understand what Ollie was doing, and it's amazing that they suddenly sacked him like he did because, yeah. the, you know, they weren't winning. Uh, you know, the the, the whatever. games, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, but he was setting the structure. He was setting everybody in line because he remembers back before any of us came along yeah. in the nineties. You know, and then how in, in from 2000 to 2010 when he was there. You know, he's looking at all the different things um, Alex Ferguson's bringing in and his staff, and he's recognising where each. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. you're putting the jigsaw puzzle together. Then of course, you know, people leave. Like I left myself, and Alex Ferguson ended up retiring, etc. And you lose it all. New managers coming in don't understand. Yeah. That relationship that you've got, and how everybody's job is so important. They, they, oh, they get rid of this and bring somebody else in. He's my mate, you know, so he can come and do yeah. his job. It's and a culture, that. isn't it? That yeah, and absolutely. you can't,
2: you can't develop and uh, hone a culture in a season, no, can absolutely. you? Absolutely.
0: Oh, it's no. a lot longer well, than that. Managers don't even get we, a season nowadays. No, man. they yeah. don't. I mean, well,
1: to me, they get seven games. If you yeah. lose, lose the first seven games, you're yeah, down. the you're road gone. Oh, yeah. So the thing is, these people who bring people in, I think they need to look at. What they've done before and the relationships that they built in the clubs that were, they were successful, yeah. and recognise they've got to do some work before they bring a coach in, to for him to understand what's mm. going on, you know, and for him to have a similar thought pattern as what's going on because just going in with a big stick nowadays don't as a anymore. manager don't yeah. work. It doesn't. You know, uh, I love listening to Roy Keane when he's talking about what's going on with United and this that yeah. other, and he'll say things about players. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I know. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's what true. Roy does. Yeah. And that's why Roy Keane had really great control of the players when he was there. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's true. Fantastic days. But they don't want that anymore. You know, you've got all these protesters who would say he shouldn't be saying this, he shouldn't be saying that. Yeah. But that's how you get the team together. It's a team, and you have to have somebody with a voice. And he had a great voice at the time. He did. Roy but, was yeah. absolutely fantastic. He, when, it He went once once Roy moved. It give opportunities for others to come in yeah. and do their thing so I mean they actually did really well after Roy left as well but he kept it together for a long yeah, long time yeah. well to and be he... fair
0: he had other people who, who to be fair could fill in for Roy like likes of Gary Neville you know what I mean yeah. people like that Ryan Giggs even though he weren't the most vocal if he said something you listened uh, there, you? Was a, there was you a listened. succession plan wasn't there there was a succession plan like I can imagine that when
2: someone like Roy Keane leaves the club it's going to leave a bit of a hole of course it is but they've got Strong characters. Yeah. The it, culture's there to bring yeah. the next ones through, like you say.
1: Yeah. Well, what what it is, somebody sees Roy go, it's an opportunity for yeah. certain people. I if want to take that place. Exactly. Yeah. I remember him having a go at um, Alan Smith once. Yeah. Um, so are you trying to take my place? They said, "Right, absolutely not." And and he was serious. He was not trying to take his yeah. place. But he recognised the fact that I have to be a strong character in this team. As it worked out, you know, he ended up with that horrific injury, and he yeah. never. Yeah. got it back. Do you
0: remember? Do you remember the season? I think it was before he got that horrific injury. He came back from pre-season at one year, and he was just oh mate, yeah. the was shape not the of him. The pre-season he'd
2: been with you, was it? Well,
0: the the shape <laughs> of him was that that season with, with you. Oh mate, he was he was a joke, wasn't he? He he came back, hit the ground running like you could. See, everybody genuinely went. Wow, like we might have a serious, serious player on our hands here. Shredded, he such like, a shame. faster than everybody, like outrunning people. Like he wanted to
1: be in the gym all the time. Oh, He all was incredible. Sudden, he was incredible. Yeah, yeah, he was a fantastic guy. Awesome. He was a great, great
2: guy, lad, yeah. weren't he? Yeah. Brilliant guy. Can we just um, touch on Scolzi? Because I've got a question which I'm really fascinated to hear your answer on. If Scolzi was in the Man United Academy now, the way that football is with big, powerful players and whatnot, if he was a 14-year-old kid in the Academy now, Scolzi, would he graduate to the first team. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's a mentality of learning what the others have got. That's what I'm saying all along. You've got to understand what they've got and what have I got? What can I compete with that against? That's the master blaster that, who can look at what other people have got and think, I am worried about you because I'll do it this way and if I can't do it that way, I'll do it another way. Yeah. So he used to sort things out in his mind to be able to do it. And Ole at was very similar in the fact that very often he was sat on the bench. What do you think he was doing? Chin down, oh, I've not been picked or and all this sort of rubbish, you know. Oh, no. No, he thought, well, you know, there's a good chance that I'll get on at some point because the gaffer always does, gets me on. So what's he doing? He's watching players. What's he watching them? See if they might have a nice girlfriend or have a good car. No, he's watching how they move. So he's watching each player that he might come into contact with in that game yeah. looking so he's for weaknesses like a, exactly he's looking yeah. for weaknesses and exploit the weaknesses and comes in and scores a goal that's what it's about there's your, there's your pulse goal
0: so there you go even now that's you don't really get many of them nowadays you don't like to be fair you've got to give it to someone like Divock Origi at yeah. Liverpool yeah. very sort of similar thing where Jurgen Klopp will bring him on and he will score you a goal. He will. He does it. He brings him on with 10 minutes to go. And more often than not, he's he's scoring a goal. And he comes on with a smile on his face. And it will be the same thing like Ollie was. He would be sitting there watching, thinking... Gaffer you need to bring me on now cuz I can see this center back if I go in that side of him there it's a goal I know for a fact it's a goal and that was Ollie all over wasn't it yeah, always absolutely. smiling always happy yeah you're on the bench today ollie that's cool that's fine I'll sit there and I'll study the players that are in front of me and I'll wait for my chance and when it comes I'll score you a goal and he did it for the team as well wasn't about doing it for an individual it wasn't like oh I'm going to score a goal and yeah I'm going to show everybody how good I am it was a, I'm going to score time. a goal for the team and it's going to help us today and that's what it is But
2: isn't isn't that what Jurgen Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool for all through it, yeah, um, brilliant.
0: What six, seven years, yeah, now? six, seven years, yeah. And within that time, he's built that culture, hasn't exactly. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's built like what Man United had back in the day, exactly. where everybody was just doing it for the team, they were helping each other out, and that's all it was about. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, we, we've got to ask you. So, obviously, um
2: we haven't touched on Mr. Ronaldo yet. So. In your book, the power and the glory. So we'll put a link in the description down below. It's a banging book, it's by the a way. It's great Cleggy,
0: I don't even read books, and I've read your book. That's saying something, mate. Honestly, I even... bet you
1: fell asleep a few. Times.
0: No, I haven't. I no, haven't. I, I read it on the way to work in the morning. I've got young Jamie here who's driving me, and I've got to sit in the passenger seat. And I've read it the last like, this last week, okay. and it has been brilliant, mate. Absolutely enjoyed every second of it. Normally... So, so like I say, link in the description down below because it's a banger, mate. Yeah. It's a bang- no-
2: Normally, I think I. I... I'm not a massive reader but I tend to read sports autobiographies and what I loved about it was that it's it's you know you're not an athlete at Man United you're um, part of the coaching team so it's that really unique insight as to kind of coach player relationship and um and can i just say as well yeah some some of the stories stories. are incredible and
0: you'll read the book honestly right what you'll do is you'll read the book and you'll build this picture in your head of what mike clegg is as a person you'll probably be thinking of like a little gremlin or something like that right (laughs) and you're exactly right and that's michael clegg he's a little gremlin but he's a legend like he's a proper proper bloke proper person and we're thankful for you here today mate. so right what are we talking about big big boy cristiano rinaldo cr7 yeah Right, um, mate, talk to me about Ronnie. He's the man, weren't he? Yeah, I'll... have you ever seen anybody as, as, as driven, as dedicated, the, as got the ability, the, the pace, the whole package, basically? Have you ever, ever seen anybody quite to that level? Because there's levels, but there's, there's, there's Ronaldo level. Do you need to ask me that question?
1: <laughs> that answers it all. No, because he come in with a plan. You see, kids, when they're younger, they don't have the plan. Yeah. They don't see what's going on for them in their life, their growth rate, the things that they need to do. Again, it's all about watching other people. It's it, He was doing a fantastic level. What I was doing as a coach, he was doing it as a player. Yeah. So he recognised what he can do and he can do. But, you know, and he had to be able to compete with them. But also he wanted to be unique. He wanted to be just him. You know, not like anybody else. So that's why he spent so much time practising. We see there's a, there's a balancing act with practising. You know, you can, uh, you know, you can train and train hard all the time. And we've got a lot of people trained hard all the time. But that's not necessarily the thing. You see, you've got to train correctly. The most important thing in football is skill. And the most important thing in, in oh. football skill is putting the ball in the back of the net because that's how you win yeah. score a goal. So his mind is on, well, how do I score goals? And so he, he has to have the circuit tricks, the circus tricks, sorry, which people used to pull him down about. But he was practising. He used United as an apprenticeship. And what he was doing was pre- practising everything that he needed to do to make sure that people couldn't spot him think, oh, he's going to do this. Yeah. Or, he's going to do that. You see, with most lads, when, when I've seen it over the years, they practise something, then they put it into a game. If it go, goes wrong, guess what happens?
0: Stop. Never use Never it again. Never use again. Yeah.
1: Well, he weren't up to that. He thought, no, that's the wrong, uh, wrong way of doing it. I'm going to practise on my own, make sure I've done so many hours practicing that. Then I'm going to take it into the training. Now, who's he training with? Some of the best players in the world. Yeah. So he's training and practicing these skills and understanding how they fit with these really great players, defenders and midfield players, you know, can take the ball off you. So he's he's really understanding here in this brain all the different things that are necessary to get a skill. It's just like bringing out a new song for a band. It's a new song and everybody loves it and it goes, well, he's developing new songs. Yeah. So what he does, he practices something uh, and then takes it into the training games and then he'll put it in a game. Yeah. But he's not going to put it in against Chelsea or Real Madrid. He's going to put it in against Derby County or nice, somebody else. Yeah, that's good that's how you it, yeah. hone your skills. It's not rocket science. He was not a rocket scientist. He was a very simple lad who understood structure. Again, this is where I've got my ideas. They taught me. I never went to university. Yeah. I never had these great um, you know, university lecturers teaching me. I was just a very ordinary guy who was watching his kids and now somebody exposed me to all these incredible people. That's where I learned what I do is by watching and listening to and having good relationships because we used to talk all the time like I did with you. You know what I mean? I like to think that I've got two ears and one mouth so I only
0: listened I listen twice as much as I talk. Yeah, you've know. you got two ears, one mouth, so you should listen more than what you talk. Of course. Yeah. most people don't know that. Yeah. And
1: that's why they're getting serious problems with relationships, which is so important for, for human beings. They want to rattle on about themselves all the time. Yeah. And so they get up people's noses, you know what I mean? But you see, this is the thing, Cristiano came in recognizing that I need to do this, I need to do that. He wanted to be as good as he could be at what I could help him with. And of course, we had a yardstick. Who's the best in the gym? Well, he weren't the strongest or the, well, he probably was the fastest, but the yardstick was Ryan Giggs. He was the one most dedicated to training in the gym and outside as well. I saw him doing all that, but in the gym, nobody touched him. So when he came, he recognised that Ryan was the one who was doing all this stuff with that geezer in there. You know, I want to find out. And he asked me about what he does and all this. And of course, he made sure that he did as much as him, did he? No, of course not. More than him. If I want to be better than him, I he need to be in He was the first one in in the morning,
0: weren't he? Of course he was. He was the first one in by far. Not just messing about either. He was, he was good Never to messed go. for messed sake Not for the he sake, was, nah, for the sake of our sure. first He was in, in the gym. You
2: hear that a lot in football, don't you? He was first in last yeah. out.
1: That's If you're having a cup of tea, that's exactly. one thing, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. It's, so, it's the work rate that's important, but it's the work rate at the right type of work. Most players don't do the right type, type of work because they haven't got the guidance to do the right yeah. thing. You know what i mean that's the thing you were you are talking before about specifics of different um positions on yeah. the pitch well they all have things that are more necessary than others from another position yeah so they've got to be specific to what they want to do in development this is more difficult because as a 10 12 14 16 year old you could start off as a striker and then end up as a center back or start off as a winger and end up as a right back yeah. or, or vice versa you know what i mean so you've got to allow yourself to learn across a range that's why when you were talking about well if you picked a kid who was 11 years old you know what you could sp- pick out specifics yes you could but remember they've got to do everything as well you've mm. got to do everything yeah, plus yeah the extra on this and that's what they need you know you've got to be looking at getting everything in there because you're building a foundation yeah. and then what you do well the spearhead for you what you need to do this particular guy guys going to be great at making tackles you know you can put extra work into that
0: yeah hone those hone sort of those the, the essential skills tackle. the yeah. one specific skills for, if, for whatever position exactly. you are build everything but then as you get to uh, even as a certain age you need to get to an age where you go right i've got that in place now i need to really drill down on it and i think ronaldo had already exposed himself to everything yeah. as a kid he had done everything yeah. he must have played every sport going i guarantee it but then he got to an age where he was like, "Right, I need to just now drill down and just come up with a complete repertoire of tricks and all blah 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 blah, so I can bamboozle everybody on a Saturday afternoon. They don't know where I'm going to go." Yeah, incredible, so, wasn't it?
2: So when Ronaldo, so in your book you said Ronaldo's come in and said, "I'm going to be the best in the world, and you're going to help me." When he said that to you, did you just believe him? Did you think okay, or were you kind of thinking?
1: well, he's, he's just talking here. Was this
0: early on in his career? Did he, was this literally once he had signed, he came yeah, and yeah, said when, that?
1: When he, he'd probably been a week. Yeah, probably been a week looking around. Yeah. But remember, there's only one person I trust. Do you know who that is?
0: Yourself? God. I love that. That just <laughs> me. Oh goodness, I wouldn't trust you, Cleggie. Oh, I wouldn't either.
1: <laughs> no, God, you see. So I don't trust anybody what they say. What I do is just use these things. Somebody said something, what do you do? You watch to see if they do it. Or they said something, then you listen for them saying it again. Do you know what I mean? You've got to observe them. Now, if somebody comes in and says which people are, I'm going to be the best player, blah, blah, blah. All you have to do is look at their um, work rate. Are they working hard, No, they're not. Or are they going in in, in the canteen stuffing themselves with cakes? No, they're not. So it's very easy then, once somebody's made a statement, just to observe, which is what Alex Ferguson was the greatest at observing people's behavior that's mm. simple yeah. And it's how you learn relationships
0: and then he was yeah. doing it he was coming in doing day it. in day out relentlessly doing I it guess. wasn't he well you know i've never there. seen anything like it what honestly. was he like um what was he like as a teammate Ben? he, he was incredible he, um, he had do you remember he, he's got this one thing well, I don't know if he still does it but he used to have um like don't right, brilliant top lad he was a lovely kid wasn't he to be fair to him like a, a lot of people think he's a big bit of an ego and not he's not chance. honestly behind closed not doors he's, he, he's, a, he's a lovely kid he's a really good kid um he used to like being the last one out of the changing rooms so on a Saturday afternoon right you know when all the lads would line up and go out and stuff like that he would he would love to be the last player walking out the last one in the line of 11 and it's like he, he, uh, he would, it was premeditated why he did it but it, it would be like everybody's because everybody was waiting for Ronaldo everybody wants to get a glimpse of the main man himself and he would make sure he was the last one walking out of that tunnel and then as soon as he walked out everybody would really start clapping really start giving it and I know for a fact he would have been that kind of guy who's gone yeah, here we go. And that's kind of giving me a, a little bit more of a buzz as if he even needed it anyway. But it would give him that little bit more as well. And then that was it. The, the rest was history. He would go out and he would do exactly what he's always done.
2: Would he socialise <laughs> with the lads?
0: Yeah, he was just like a normal lad. He was like he was like anybody else. Don't get me wrong. He's probably not hanging around in the the, the pubs and having a pint with you and stuff like that. No, but absolutely. he's he's hanging around with everybody else in the canteen and in the gym and stuff like that, socialising, having a chat. What did you see on telly last night? All that kind of stuff. Just normal. a normal, normal bro. lad. Yeah, normal Absolute lad.
1: Absolute normal lad.
0: <laughs> um, you you said about um, having monsters in the gym and powerful people in the gym and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's one bloke who. When we were when we were in the gym a lot and I was injured and I was coming back from rehab with my my ACL because I think I was out for eight or nine months in total with my with my second ACL there was one lad who was injured quite a bit with us um and I've got to say I think he might be the strongest person I've seen in the gym in my whole career was Louis Saha Louis was a he was a joke wasn't he yeah. he was a man mountain machine seriously incredible wasn't he
1: yeah, it, you know, to have a, a physique and the skills yeah. that he had was incredible, absolutely incredible. But why did he have so many injuries? Yeah, That was the thing that was always on my mind. And you know, you can pick up quite a lot by understanding um, people's home life and stuff like that. So I, I used to have a go at Louis because um, I, I, got, I had five kids. Now you're I'm a horrible old dad, you see, because I wouldn't let the kids in the bed. I had to get up in the morning and yeah. work all day. Now the trouble is with, and this is quite a few footballers. This, what they've got a job to do, and it's a big job. You know, it's not an ordinary job. They're earning fortunes because they've got to do something special. They've got to be better than others. And I had a, a go at Louis a few times because I asked him, oh, how do you go on for sleeping and the Because we had a big sleep thing. Yeah, we did have a big sleep. I, I, thing I got this um, bed, bed, by sleep num- number bed, sleep by numbers. Yeah, yeah sleep yeah, number bed. Yeah. yeah What's know? this? Them? Um, well, well, <laughs> this company said um, that the, uh, you know, the players and certain staff. I I did a little talk for him, you see, about sleep because I do a lot of it. You know, he's talking about, you know, painting my bedroom black (laughs) and and having nothing in there, you know, to interfere with my sleep. So I was really into that. Uh, I I do a lot of meditation and stuff like that. So I did a little talk for him for the Sleep By Numbers bed people and they give me one of these beds cost an absolute fortune. And basically what it is, you you press the button, you know, it, it can be, uh, hardest is 100 percent, of course it's like air it's pressure it's all air done pressure. on air
0: pressure exactly. basically so it can adjust it to how heavy you are at certain positions you lie in and you would add you when they installed the bed they'd have somebody come around and they'd plug it into a computer and they would all the pressure markers so they'd know so eventually they'd find your exact sleep number wouldn't they yeah
1: exactly so it's a great thing but you see um during them days um i was talking to louie or three kids at the time these
0: beds were like 20 grand by the way yeah. like 20 grand these beds were and every player and like most of the staff just got given these beds they were incredible yeah,
1: absolutely and um louis was allowing his kids in the bed at night now i i know that if you if you've got to work hard next day and i did myself you know what i mean you can't afford to have the kids in the bed now the fact is most people who are married have got a wife and very often... Oh, very go on, let level, him Go on, let him, yeah, have, exactly. let him come in. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said to him, right, you know, you need to get a bed on your own and stuff like that. he said, oh, <laughs> she'd go mad if I did that. Yeah. Louie! <laughs> you know, but if you don't get the right rest, it means you're not healing. Yeah. If you want to get real healing, which he needed because he was having a lot of these breakdowns, yeah. then your sleep has got to be absolutely so important in your life it wasn't important enough in my opinion yeah you know what i mean yeah. i could be totally wrong i'm not saying i'm right but it's the one thing because I lot watched him train he'd always warm up uh, correctly he'd, he'd do his stretching his flexibility he you know he'd do his skill stuff he'd come in the gym and like you say he was a monster weren't he yeah but why did he get so many injuries and and i know he had a good diet as well yeah yeah and he did the, it oh he did it properly that's didn't the he? only yeah. thing and it's something that he wouldn't think about. Yeah. And of course once you've started that kids are getting in the bed, we all know it's very difficult to get them out. Yeah. Cuz they're crying, aren't they? Yeah. You can't sleep if they're crying. So really what you have got to do is you have got to get another room, get your own bed and if the kids get in, you get out. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And but oh, there you go. But and, uh, that's
0: just a, another little thing Yeah, of course, yeah. That, you're not saying that's that. the be or that's why you got so injured, but injured, sorry, but it's it's definitely As an elite sportsman, you have to look at every tiny little thing. You have to have all the boxes checked, don't you? It's
2: your training theories, which I I found fascinating, like reading through some of them. And the one I I really kind of read and thought, wow, that's an interesting way of reading it, was when Giggsy came to you and said he wanted to improve his crossing. Could you just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I mean, that's probably um, the most important insight i've had where something happens and you wonder where that knowledge came from and you know i said to you i don't trust anybody apart from god it's almost like somebody's opening doors like i said about you know getting the opportunity at united now ryan's taught he's had these problems with his back and everything you know he's had seats changed beds, this that and the other and i'd gone out and really studied on how best to train to make sure you got balance etc you know for for being a player But then we build such a great relationship because he was in there a lot. I I just, and I do this all the time, you know, what would you really like to work on? Because that's what I really want to work with people on, what you really want to do. What's your speciality? You know, we've all got skills to be a footballer, you you know, you're you're fit, you're strong, whatever, you know what I mean? But what's your speciality? And he said, well, what annoys me is I've never really crossed the ball with my left foot like I really want to. I couldn't quite get it perfect, you know what I mean? I said, oh, that's interesting. And then I was, you know, not really watching him, but I noticed um, because somebody came in the gym and asked him for an autograph. And he's writing with his right hand his autograph. And I thought, that looks odd. So I said, oh, can I have a look at that? And he, he was writing dead odd. I said, have you ever wrote with your left hand? He said, no. I said, have a go. So he picks the pen up. And as he's writing then, he could see that he was right in right. Yeah. Look, right. No, yeah. I said, do you ever use your left hand? He said, not really. Right. I said, Why? What's that got to do with anything? I said, well, think about it. You know, the right-hand side of your brain controls the left-hand side, yeah. the left-hand side, the right. Now, you're left-footed, but you're using your right hand, and you're not using your left hand. So that means that a lot of this area here is not being trained as well as it could be. So if you started using your left hand a lot more, do you get the balance? Because, you know, you've got your right hand, you're using that anyway. You won't give that up. Always brush his teeth with his right hand, you know what I mean? And I said to him, let's work on your left hand. So we started doing, I I got a dartboard in, started getting him to throw darts. That was probably a bit before your time, your dartboard, but I bet it was still there. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. And then I started having him, everybody loved table tennis. Uh, Steve Lyons used to come and wind everybody up table tennis was serious business so I I got him to um, use his left hand playing table tennis and then once I saw how really good he was I thought I wonder why he's never used his left hand now looking at history things that go on there might be a reason for that in the way that people think you you should use your right not your left and all this sort of thing anyway who knows (laughs) what I decided to do get him on this and then i got him in the main gym you know and got a fit ball. and i said right i want you to run away. i can't believe he even listened to me either yeah. that was the thing i was really just playing um with his mind trying to see what he was playing with
0: one of the best footballers in the world <laughs> at this moment in time it's bonkers <laughs> well, it? well that's right yeah.
1: roy keane said to me once we crash test dummies feet." yeah hello you know.
0: yeah you're just prodding us and poking <laughs> us and like <laughs> exactly. taking stuff out yeah well,
1: what do you do you know yeah. you're there you're giving an opportunity so i was throwing fit balls up in the air and he was running up the left-hand side and then hitting the football as it's in the air. But I was making sure he's using his left hand, you know what I mean? As he's getting himself ready for that kick. And of course, that then become more trained. It was far more well-trained. Yeah. So would that be like from a balance perspective? Packed. Balance, exactly. It was balancing, in the brain, in the body. And then suddenly you've got everything working together as a team. What do yeah. we keep talking about? Teamwork, relationships. You've got to have relationships. Everything talking. Exactly. Yeah. But listening a lot more than talking. Yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. And did he, did, he, did he hit a few more? Yeah, he did. Because there were, there were a few stats done. And they told me that I, he has it more. Improved. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was very fortunate. And that's why, you know, uh, when I went through the book and wrote everything. I, I, mean, I didn't write it with Steve Barton. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, I had to write my own little story. Because mine's not an autobiography. That book is not my autobiography. Yeah, yeah. That's a book of stories. My autobiography would not mention a lot of that stuff. Yeah, going sure. On. Yeah, of course. You know. So, but, but it's a book of stories. But I had to write my storyline.
0: Yeah, to see, I know. Yeah. To make... you have to narrate it a little exactly, bit. It has yeah. to have a bit of you in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right then. So, Cleggy, you've been in. You've been in sport. You've been in power development. You've been whatever for how long now? Many what? 30, 40 years?
1: Yeah, I started coaching when I was twenty.
0: Letty, um, yeah. And what you're now 75 yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, eighty like eighty two. Yeah. Yeah, 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 So so it's fair to say you've seen a few things. And yeah. in your opinion, if you had to pick one thing which is pretty stupid and pretty hard to do, but what is the most important thing you need to be an elite level athlete? What is the one most important thing? I would say
1: one thing, but then people would tend to, you know, pull funny faces at that. Yeah because we don't know how many are connected. But the most important thing that I've found through my life and talking to individuals is the most important thing is to believe in God. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Then it's not about any one thing. It's bringing everything together as one. So you become a unit. Now that's not just about yourself. It's about the people that you're with. It's about your family. It's about your friends, everything. It's trying to bring everything together as one. Which is what God is all about. God is love, and then if you produce love through all your associations, all your friendships, you know your relationships with your kids and your working partners and everything. If you go about trying to make friends rather than trying to, you know, have your own way,
0: which yeah, a lot of selfishness, do. Yeah. exactly.
1: Selfishness yeah. is one of the worst things that can happen. You could be the best that you can be. Yeah. So it's not about any one thing. It's about bringing everything into the one and the thing that really glorifies that is God
0: yeah I think um I think as I've got older and in football don't go wrong I'm not a religious person at all but what I do believe in is you have to have a balance in life you can't just be full headstrong on you know the right way and this should be like that and I'm going to say it that way and I get my way in it it's not about that it's about yeah you might be good at something but then you've also got to work on other stuff just as important you've got to have a bit of this you've got to have a little bit of that you've got to enjoy yourself away from it take time to relax and treat people and look after people build relationships that kind of stuff i think that is maybe it does come come into the sort of religion side of it a little bit like but i think that is the most important part of not just elite sport whether it's about life is having a balance all that i think
2: stuff. i think what we've discussed with man United here is testament to that isn't it everything that you two have been talking all the stories and anecdotes have kind of said it's all the same thing isn't it it's teamwork it's 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 and actually adapting and trying new things that's why united in those years absolutely in their pomp oh smashed people out of the water didn't they but that's when you look at the evolution now it's sick it's funny isn't it football like when we were kids me and ben are the same age and we were of Man United, weren't we? Like growing yeah. up, it was Man United. Before that, it was Liverpool. And then it's funny how it comes back around again and it's now Man City and Liverpool. Yeah. But you look up, look at the, the club
0: and the main guy in charge yeah. and- And it's an Alex Ferguson. It's,
2: it's not rocket science, It's an is Alex it?
0: Ferguson. It's Pep Guardiola, but it's Jürgen Klopp, but it's an Alex Ferguson. It's that way of doing things. Yeah. But that's yeah. interesting
2: what you said about Ollie. It's really, really interesting. It Cause is, yeah. you
0: start your mind starts
2: wondering and go, well maybe if he was given like yeah, another what if, two exactly, seasons exactly, yeah. what, what would the culture of the club be like what would the leaders that he'd have brought into the dressing room
0: fascinating Cleggy, you've been incredible mate thank you very much really appreciate you coming in
1: called incredible before so that's nah be you nice. are you're the man <laughs> mate you are you're <laughs> thank the you man much.
0: Um, and like I said earlier guys uh, we're going to put the link to um, the book in the description down below the book is called Cleggy. Power and the glory,
1: which was not me who, who, uh, who... It's a good
0: name either way, mate. What would you want to have called it?
1: Well, I don't. I, you see, I weren't part of the glory. Yeah. The glory wasn't mine. I was just working in yeah, the Yeah, but gym, you won't you know? want to
0: take the glory. I know you as a person and that's not you. You don't care exactly. about so the I, glory and no. being told you're amazing and stuff like that. You just like doing what you yeah. do. So it, it was Reach, the company who made, who, who printed
1: the book, who, yeah. who called it the power and the glory. Yeah. It was going to be, you know, power development some kind of power development thing that was definitely
0: power cool. of glory is just a bit more no juicy. it's got yeah, razzmatazz it a bit more juicy, what we'll yeah. do fuzzy we'll buy three copies um and we'll do a giveaway shall we yeah boom uh if you want to win one by the way just get down in the comments below tell us what you thought of sir michael clegg today he's a friggin' legend ain't no, sir, ain't he no, is he's no, a friggin' sir. legend um Cleggy, we always finish every episode by looking into this main camera here i'll go first tom next and then you um and we always say up the fast
1: up the Foscast. Up the Fozcast. Go on. And there we it
0: go. It
2: Thank you very much. No Brilliant. Well done. T, Thank come you.
0: here. Come here, boy. Hey, T, come, on. come here, you good boy. Yeah.
2: Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Fozcast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Fozcast.